Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody. Welcome along to the Premier League on NBC podcast. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Joining me today, the entire crew, as always, Arlo White, Carl Martino, Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, Graham Lasso, and Lee Dixon from their respective homes. And of course, with that comes their respective internet connections. And I can tell you already, <laughs> Graham's has improved while Kyle <laughs> has gone through the floor. So just as we're making you all aware listening to this or watching this podcast, Kyle might be a touch patchy. Um, now, it's lovely to have you with us wherever you're watching us, if it's on the NBC Sports YouTube channel or whether it's wherever you get your podcasts. It's lovely to have you along for the ride. We are still here. We are still making podcasts by the week because, of course, we've yet to get back in the studio. The games have yet to start. They have penciled in, however, a June 1st start date for professional sports in the UK with a middle of June possible starting date for the Premier League to resume. There are, however, many sticking points and many resistances uh, to that topic of conversation. We're going to go through them now. We're going to talk, gentlemen, about the possibility of neutral ground now no longer a thing after the police and the Premier League spoke to the government and the government seemed to say it was okay that neutral grounds were no longer a thing. Therefore, the games, if they do restart, will be played where they should have been played. We're going to talk about the issue of relegation. It's gone a bit quiet the last few days, but we know the likes of the Brighton um, and Hovalvian CEO Paul Barber doesn't want relegation. He says, we'll start again as long as we don't get relegated. Um, a lot of players, a few players, I should say, coming out and voicing their concerns about starting playing football again. So we're going to kind of make our way through these topics of conversation. Um, who shall I start with today? Robbie Earl. I'm not sure I've started with you at all throughout the course mm -hmm. of this little break of ours. Um, so let's start, shall we, Robbie, with this topic of neutral ground. So it does look like it's been scrapped and they will play where they are supposed to play. The concern has been that fans will turn up outside grounds and they will congregate and, of course, that would um, flout social distancing. Where are you with the, with the decision to discard eight to ten neutral venues and revert back to having these games dotted all over the country? I think the first thing to say back in, I'm part of the Cal Martino's spotty internet, so if I do go off, move on to somebody else. But if uh, I just think it, it, the, the eight to ten grounds that, that were named was, seemed to me like a, a good um, position to, to go from where we could have the safety, have the control, have the, the stadiums clean, keep the fans away and get the games done. I do get the argument, of especially the teams in the relegated positions who wanted to have that home advantage, who we know how, how the percentages of home wins are so much higher than, than away games, it would feel like an away match. I know there's no, going to be no fans in there. And, and it brought me to kind of thinking about this whole Premier League situation and the restart and what, what we're going to have. There is no ideal situation. There is nothing that's going to tick all the boxes. We're going to have to find the best of the worst options. And maybe if the best of the worst options is playing home and away, that we do get relegation, because that's one of the key parts of the Premier League restart, that we get the finishing places in the league and we get those three teams relegated. We get Liverpool going on to win the title and the European places sorted out. When we've got that position, only then can we really move forward. And so... 
with the home and away grounds now, I feel we, we've er taken away that, that sort of no relegation play that was being played by a few of those clubs down there in, in, in the bottom end of the <clears> table. And I was very uncomfortable with the idea of, of three teams not going down. And so I would much rather go for the home and away grounds and hope that the police can control, cordon around those grounds to stop the fans getting there. They can keep it safe, they can keep it clean and we can get the matches played. I think those are definitely linked, Robbie, aren't mm. they? As you say, Paul Barber said, well, if we have to play in neutral mm. venues, that means uh, let's not have relegation. And, and I think I've said this before in a number of outlets this week, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm assuming you all agree with me, but if the season were to restart and there was no relegation, once Liverpool had won the league in one, two, three games, um, there's nothing to play for. So we would have all battled to try and get the Premier League back, and then we would have on our hands 70-odd games um, with literally nothing on the line other than European places, which isn't do or die so much, um, which would be, it's going to be tough enough to watch games behind closed doors and no fans, let alone if you're watching Palace against Southampton with literally nothing on the line. I mean, then you're asking people to tune in to watch nothing. So um, it's an interesting, it's all, they're, they're linked, the neutral venues and the relegation, Graham, aren't they? Where are you with these kind of topics that everyone's grappling with that seems to be making a little headway, certainly right now and there? Well, I think, I mean, I think you've got to go back to the beginning of this and, and realise that there was, no, um, there was no framework set by the Premier League and conditions set that all the clubs agreed to. If they'd done that from the beginning, if they'd got a broad range of agreements to whether the season should be finished, whether relegation, if they'd done that at the beginning of the process, I don't think we'd be such a mess now um, because clubs have been allowed to service their own agenda. And, and Robbie alluded to that with what he said about. Um, clubs putting non-relegation on the table in order to agree to playing in neutral venues. And sadly for me, I think it's, it's starting to show quite a few cracks in the, in the process and in the agendas that clubs have. And, and look, you can't argue against any club in the, in the bottom six that has a chance of relegation. You can't have an argument against them fighting their corner because the cost of relegation is, is, is huge. And there's no way the Premier League can compensate any club for relegation to the full extent of the damage it will do to that club financially for the, for the following season or, or so on. But um, I think it's important that, that, that the doors are closed of, of, of arguments that these clubs are, are having to make. And as Robbie rightly says, the fact that, that neutral venues, bizarrely, no one saw that coming. No one saw the government changing um, from what they'd said originally. That was a red flag, a red line. And somehow they've, they've, they've changed their mind. For what reason, none of us know. But um, that's a good thing because it means that these clubs now can't use that as a, as a reason to, to finish the season without relegation. And it's going to be a series, I think, of steps of doing that. You've got players' meetings and managers' meetings that have happened today. There's obviously going to be legitimate concerns around some of the issues and some of the individual situations that people will find themselves in. But I think at this stage, all you can do is, is create some solidarity, create um, a togetherness throughout the whole of football that means that somehow the league gets through this season with its integrity intact because if it doesn't I think the future way beyond this crisis is, is far deeper and harder hitting than, than anything we've seen uh, to date. The impact of the crisis as you say could go on for a number of years which is a huge worry there's another owners meeting on Monday Kyle where again we don't know if we're going to get any votes out of that we don't know if we're going to get anything concrete but as we head towards the middle of May with a hope that the middle of June is the penciled in time to start 
playing, you'd hope that we'd get some sort of news coming out of Monday's meeting. So Kyle, you've kind of flip-flopped as the weeks have gone by with your viewpoint on how to finish the season. Now we haven't spoken about it on this podcast now for a few months, a few weeks. We've kind of tried to enjoy ourselves a little bit. And now we come back to the serious business. Where do you stand right now and what they're trying to do? Well, I, I still think, as I think Lee and I were the only ones, what I did at the beginning, which um, the only solution that was going to, I, I guess, be easiest was season's void because that discriminates against every club evenly. You know, Liverpool will feel hard done by because they look inevitably like they're going on to win the title. Um, but you're seeing now why that was going to be the easiest solution because it treated everyone the same and took all these decisions out of their corner. Now you're seeing what it's like to have 20 different agendas um, and try to get all of those agendas to align with um, a solution that allows in a safe way for the season to finish. You know, it's not as if, too, that um, whether you're playing for uh, relegation or top, or, you know, European spots, I, I don't know what it is these days, but I think each um, space you finish is a couple million pounds. So, so where you land in the table is, is very relevant. Um, so, so it's not as if, you know, there are clubs that have absolutely nothing to play for. Um, I think if the government, as they said, is going to allow for the possibility to restart and finish the season in a safe way, you know, now's the time for everyone to look at the bigger 30,000 foot picture of we want the game back. You know, we, we want to watch the season finish. And, and I understand how players feel, each player different based on the risk um, and unique nature of, of everyone coming back to play. But I do think and I really hope the clubs can come up with a, a, a solution to finish the season. It's not um, promising that already they've gotten rid of, as Robbie Earl said, one good solution to finish the season by having these, these neutral grounds. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, now that it seems finishing the season is the priority, that there is a solution that comes out of this owner's meeting. Lee Dixon, players. So we've heard from Danny Rose this week, who was very strong on an Instagram Live about he doesn't care about lifting the nation's spirits because people are still dying. Raheem Sterling has voiced concerns. Um, we've heard from Sergio Aguero, Glenn Murray. I've heard the Wickham Wanderers manager, Gareth Ainsworth, today on the radio. Of course, that's lowered down the pyramid. But there are obviously concerns. Some players have asthma. Some players live with their grandparents. Um, some players have relatives, young relatives, who are compromise their immune system. So there are individual situations. How on earthly do we go about, or does the Premier League go about navigating those players? Are they okay if they abstain and they don't play, therefore should they get paid? I mean, it's an ongoing discussion. How do you feel about the players' situation right now? Well, I think I'll, and if you hear me rabbiting on about how football is in general, about the tactics and how the game is and about managers and everything, I always it always comes back to the players to me. It's always about the players. The game is about the players. The tactics are about that. Um, and I'm always going on about it. And I think nothing's changed with this. I think ultimately we can sit here until we're blue in the face talking about what the next step is to, to put a structure together in order to get this game going again, which is fine. And I, I understand all the conversations that need to be going on now in order for us to, you know, push it a little bit closer to restarting. And, and I have flipped a little bit. You know, originally I, I, I couldn't see how you could finish the season. 
and said, you know, you've got to avoid the season. I, th- I think the, the one thing, and Kyle mentioned it about taking the agenda away from the players, I think you have to finish the season and you have to do it with the integrity of the league intact, i.e. with all the rules that you started the competition in, staying the same. So we restart and we finish the season whenever that is. And if that affects next season, so be it. That's the way. And then you can change next season, change the format of next season. But the integrity of this season has to stay. And in order to do that, you've got to have the players. And and ultimately, you can understand all the, the, um, the words that we've heard this week from players who are concerned about safety, who've got different issues. I mean, it's an absolute, you know, spaghetti junction when you come to trying to work out which way you go with it. But ultimately, the players have to be safe. And I, I do not and I cannot understand how we, we get to a point where players' safety is guaranteed. It can't happen. So in my book at the moment, and that is the priority, <clears throat> until you, get, you, you can safeguard the players to, 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 for all of them, every single one of them, to go into that situation and go, I'm happy. Because ultimately all the businesses that are keeping, and football is a business, all the businesses that are opening up and starting to get their workers back, their priority should be, whether it is or not, I don't know, but it should be their workers and the workers in the football industry are the players. Obviously all the staff as well, but ultimately those players have to be safe. And I don't know how you safeguard them. At this moment in time, in four weeks' time, you're going to be saying, right, let's go and have a game of football. And when you get tackled, don't look, you know, look away and don't breathe on the player next to you. I mean, it's just, you know, we laugh and joke about that sort of thing. I heard it yesterday and there's some of the safeguards that have been mentioned. And I'm like, are we, are we really talking about this? It's got absolutely my book. Obviously, we all want it to happen. We're all going down that same road. But I just don't see how you safeguard the players. The alternative, Robbie Musto, of course, is if, you, if you're not ready to start in June and it's September or October, by which time a huge chunk of the football pyramid may no longer be below the Premier League because the Premier League does support those lower leagues. That's half the desperation, if you like, not to mention the desperation of Premier League clubs themselves needing to ensure they don't have to pay money back to broadcasters. Musty, if you were, if this was happening when you were playing at Middlesbrough and one of your kids had asthma and it was starting to come back in four weeks, how would you feel about playing? Yeah, of course, that, a situation like that would be incredibly difficult, of course. Um, wow, when, when you're talking <clears throat> about your own kid's health, of course, that's going to be priority. But... <clears throat> You know, Lee talks about the players, and of course the game's about the players. But I, I think we're in a situation now, Rebecca, where this is the sport. This is the game. This, this is everything. I mean, we, if, the, if the season isn't completed, then those payments have to be recorded from the Premier League clubs. They'll go bust. They'll go bust. Players won't have jobs. It won't be about the players because they won't have jobs. Now, you know... It, so, so I think we're all agreed that the season, and people have everybody said it, has to, has to be completed. Else the Premier League clubs and the whole football structure could go away and have to be rebuilt sometime in the future. So I think that is something that I think we all agree on because we want to see the game continue to thrive. Now, player safety, of course. Now, mm-hmm. I, they're taught that the, 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 the testing twice a week, the... Everything that I've read about arriving and training in your car, in your kit, you go and train, you, you, you stay as distant as you can, you go back in your car, you shower at home. 
I like the playing in your own stadiums. You know, that's, I really hope that happens because between police that will probably get paid by the Premier League clubs to do it, and the club's warning fans, if you come anywhere near the stadium, you could be, you know, you're not going to watch a game ever again. I, I think that's going to be okay. And it does come down to player safety. So I don't think, you know, th th there is going to be an incredibly clean, that's what, disaffecting pitches, training pitches, stadiums, everything flags. It, it, it sounds like it's a, it's as really as good as they can get it to be a safe environment, to make players comfortable to get out there and play. And if they don't, if they think in the next month, when hopefully in the UK, that curve's going to come down and the NHS is going to be more geared up and more in kind of readiness for anything else happening, that it's as safe as it can be. If they don't play, then when do, when do they play? Of course, I know there's an element of risk, but when we talk about the big picture of, of football going out of business, then I think, certainly for me, Rebecca, I'd want to, I'd want to get playing again. And I've read a few quotes this morning from players they're all happy to come back as long as it's in a it's a it's an incredibly clean and safe environment. And I think the Premier League and England and the government, by the way, the government of the government have kind of okayed this. Um, you've got to trust people at certain times. I think this is the time. No, I, I, I I'm sorry, I have to be, jump. Be, I have to jump in there and say you have to tr trust the government. Boom, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, and also you didn't answer the question, Musty. I've got to put you on the spot. You, if that was you and you had your you know, you had mm. asthma in the family. Would you go back and play? Yeah, I would. You would. Listen, the yeah. The other thing is as well um, is that I, I work with Real Mallorca. Kyle, Kyle has a connection with the club as well. And and when they're they're a couple of weeks ahead in La Liga because the the virus hit earlier, and our players are already back training. They're back training. They're doing exactly what Robbie Musto said. They get tested when they arrive at the training ground in their cars. They've got face masks on all the mitigation is in place to minimize the chance of these players um, getting, getting uh, the infection. And because there's a solidarity, not just in our club, but across the whole of La Liga, because there has been a framework from day one about salary sacrifice and deferment, when, when the stages of, of re return to training is going to be, there's a proper roadmap in place. doesn't mean it doesn't change, but it gives them a structure to work to. Every single player that we've got is, is desperate to be back on the training pitch and they're absolutely buzzing about having a ball at their feet on the grass and they're focused they don't feel under any more risk than they were at, at home for one thing and secondly I think if there's individual cases if we had individual cases in our club where where a player had an elderly relative that they were living with and they were high risk and they were worried about them we I would completely understand their situation and say, do you know what? If that's how you feel, I respect that. I'm not going to judge you. And if there's individual players in the Premier League that, that have re their own reasons, whether they're rational or irrational, and feel that they can't play, you've got to, you've got to open the, the, the conversation up and say, we respect that. You can't force people to play in this situation. You have to listen to them. And, and, I, and I think it's going to have to be a very individual, club-by-club -club and player-by-player -player process. Arlo, I just want to play devil's advocate. That's my job. So the flip side of this is that there's risks getting in the car, driving to training of a car crash. There's risks in everything in life. If you have, you were on the show yesterday on Lunch Talk Live. One of the other guests that we had on was Larry Nance Jr., who I know you met at Old Trafford last year. He has Crohn's disease. He went back to training on Friday. He has his own ball. They've got their initials on it. They have to disinfect the basketball after they've been training with them. They have to disinfect all the weights after they've done their weight training, but everything, like Robbie was saying, there's so many things in place, like Graham was saying there is in Spain, 
to mitigate and to help the situation. And Larry with Crohn's disease is always exposed to all sorts of infections that could, that could really, really make him even sicker than he already is. So there's all sorts of infections out there for people with um, underlying health conditions anyway. There are huge risks out there with everything that we do in life. So the flip side of things is that, like Graham said, if there are certain individuals that don't want to do it, that, that everyone understands no judgment, but that there is a small enough risk, albeit a risk like everything in life, that football should now be allowed to start in mid-June. What do you think, Colin? Mm. Well, it, it sounds harsh, but society now, and, and I think it's optimised by the, the change in tack by the British government, where, where the message was for a long time, two months or so, was stay home, save lives, protect the NHS. Now it's stay alert, which is an incredibly vague message. And I think it's the government's way of basically putting it on the public. You have to make a decision that works for you. Now, football is part of wider society. Football isn't special. It's different. It, it, it's hugely lucrative. The, the, the protagonists are unbelievably well paid. But therefore, it's going to have the structures in place that Musty mentioned, the tw testing twice a week, taking the temperatures on the way into the grounds. Everything's going to be disinfected. Um, so actually, it's probably one of the safest environments, working environments, that you're going to see out there outside of a, of a hospital. So it's down to each individual to manage and assess their own risks. So I would like to think that you wouldn't be thought of badly or ostracized if you were to say to your teammates, listen, I just can't do it for X, Y, and Z. But, therefore, but also on the flip side of that, if you're a footballer and you want to get back to work, you shouldn't be demonized either if you want to get on with your job because the understanding has to be that if we stay in this lockdown situation, and I'm not talking about being cavalier here and having crowds in and that sort of thing. It has to be a very, very sterile managed situation. But we have to make a decision as a society, if we stay in lockdown and nobody goes to work, what will greet us when we go outside again? And businesses are going to go, whether it's football, whether it's construction, whether it's whatever, hospitality. I mean, they're, they're probably going to be the last ones coming back. Millions of people are going to be unemployed and it's just going to be general chaos, the like of which we probably haven't seen since the Great Depression. So, you know, not to be too macro about it, but that's the, that's the challenge that, that society faces. So where football is concerned, they are going to be looked after as well as any worker out there. It will be an individual's decision, but they will be at less risk, I think, than a construction worker. They'll be at less risk than, than anyone that works in the hospital. The Premier League are sourcing their own uh, PPE equipment and their own tests as well, so they're not taking anything away uh, from areas where it's needed. And that's, that's how it's got to be. And if footballers don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. But if they do want to protect their own incomes, at some point, there has to be a return for work to work. And I've been, I've been pretty steadfast, in my opinion, from day one, that, that, that the season has to be finished for the integrity of the game. But as and when it's safe, what we're, what we're coming to terms with is until there's a vaccine, we're going to be living side by side with this virus potentially for a long time. And we have to, again, make a decision as a society, as a world, as a, as a, global, uh, a global species, do we re-enter life in a controlled way or do we stay in lockdown? And I think this is just one of those decisions. We have to get back to it as normal as we can 
but understand that we're living side by side with the virus and this is a new normal and it's not going to be the same for a very long time. So that's where I get a bit uncomfortable with teams brazenly putting their self-interest ahead of the, the greater good. Now, Norwich City today, I think it was Stuart Webber on, on Sky Sports was talking about, well, if the championship don't finish their season, then we shouldn't have relegation. It's almost like a checklist, right? We don't want relegation because of this. Now we don't want relegation because of that. And how many more things are they going to be unhappy with, which essentially are designed to, to maintain their Premier League status. If we can play home and away, let's do it, regardless of what happens in the Championship, bottom three or bottom two, you go down. And that is on sporting merit alone. You weren't good enough. And whether the Championship finishes their season or not, I, I think that's immaterial. So let's... But ultimately, the Premier League want a 20-0 vote, Rebecca, I think, on this. They want a massive consensus, so no recriminations. No one can say, we got relegated, but we voted against it. And I think my gut feeling is that they'll get that on Monday. I think everyone's going to be assured that this is as good as it's going to be. And on Monday, they get a 20-0 vote, and we get on with it on June the 12th. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Just to, I'm going to come to Robbie Earl just a second, Robbie, about, about players and your view on that. I just want to give everybody the full schedule, exactly what is happening in the next seven days. So today there's been the uh, Professional Footballers Association, that's the union, meeting with the LMA, which is the manager's union, um, to just to, to talk about medical protocols. Tomorrow, there are more meetings between the Premier League and the PFA and LMA about medical protocols, so two days of meetings. Um, also tomorrow, meeting between the Culture Secretary, the government, and football authorities. Then Monday is that next Premier League meeting with the stakeholders, as I talked to you about, the 20 teams all getting on, on Zoom, I suspect. Um, also on Monday, the Premier League players can return to initial group training under socially distancing protocols. That's this coming Monday. On the 25th of May, that's the UEFA deadline for leagues to have finalised their plan for restarting seasons. Although, I've already read this morning that UEFA might give the Premier League an extension on that deadline. <coughs> June 1st is the government date for possible return of elite sport behind closed doors with 12th of June, the first Premier League fixture. That is the aim. Um, Robbie Earl, pick up where everybody left off. Arlo, very passionate about, we have to get out there because, and and many people agree with Arlo, you open the doors after four or five months, and is there even a world to go back to? So, Robbie Earl, where do you stand on on players who don't want to go back and how we navigate that? I think it's important to mention, Max, and and the boys will will attest to this, that dressing rooms made up of very different personalities, characters, and mentality. And... There may be two or three people in that dressing room who just mentally don't feel in the right place. Lee mentioned about body contact. A lot of other, other work, we can still maintain certain elements of social distancing, keeping some space so you're not breathing on people, you, there's no sweating on people, that kind of thing. In football, that, that's not going to be the case. Come mid-June, if, if things go to plan, players will be 
going for 90 minutes against each other physically in, in conditions that we don't know what's going to happen. And so there is going to be some players who are going to be sceptical, scared, unsure of what the future holds. As much as, as the testing's in place, as much as the controls and the safeties are in place, and those are so important. So it's a little bit about going into the unknown and, and that you might have to take some players along that journey with you and they may want to see how, how, how things play out. I do think it's, it's so important. Lee mentioned it about the players being integral to it. I think they and the PFA should be involved as many of these conversations as, as we could. And just on, on the bigger picture, and it's something that I picked up when Graham was talking, and, and but there's one thing I think the Premier League can do better. And it's a great league for, for, for a number of things, and we're so privileged and honoured at times to work on it. But if there's one thing it could do, I feel, is unite itself a little better. When, when I look at La Liga and Bundesliga, and, and obviously we live in the US now, and you look at the NBA and NHL, they seem to be a group who work together for the betterment of everybody. I still feel as though the Premier League, Rebecca, seems to be 20 clubs looking after what's best for them. And, and some decisions are based on what's best for my club rather than what's best for the, for the whole thing. And I get that relegation, you know, they're talking about could be $300 million lost in sponsorship and players and all those change of history of a football club. Well, we've got to make some decisions based on the betterment of the game. We're talking about a situation where if we don't finish the Premier League and the Premier League funds and aids all the, the, the football pyramid, Years going on, we, we may not see football as we know it now for a very, very long time. That's what we're talking about here. Not just a club staying up or a club paying the wages. We're talking about the whole game and what it means to the industry, to people who work in it, to fans, to media. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's a bigger picture here that, that has to be looked at. And, and I just hope that the Premier League start to see that. And as Arlo says, unite, 20 votes go in one direction. We start to move together rather than 20 different clubs picking what's best for themselves. Kyle, you've got a new baby. Where, if you're a Premier League player with a new baby at home, two young children, what, what, what goes through your mind? Are you in Musty's camp? Are you, are you out there playing? Or would you be perhaps more like Lee? Um, you know, to answer it quickly, I, I'm out there playing. Um, and I understand Lee's point, and I think this is difficult because each player in that locker room has a different risk profile, has a different scenario to go home to. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use an example of we played in the Confederations Cup. And a lot of times, you know, in sport, at least you know that you're going to go away from your family for a month or two for some of these international competitions. You know, there, there was, a, there was a, um, a bomb threat that kept us in the hotel. And, you know, it became a really scary scenario where – you know, the risk of being at that tournament now was drastically increased because of a security breach and a tough situation we were going through. You know, and some players talked about going home and some players were worried about that. I, I get it's going to be across the board. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I want to be careful not to be insensitive because people are losing their lives. I mean, people are dying. This is, this is a real thing. This is affecting um, families and it, it's it's a scenario I can't even imagine because I haven't been faced with someone I love who's contracted it um, and it's been fatal so I, I can't talk from that vantage point all, all I can try to do is be um, pragmatic and try to not be emotional in in finding a solution because um, I don't I don't want to be hyperbolic but but 
sport is is the if not the biggest industry in the world one of the biggest industries you know this podcast we're doing right now it's probably a hundred countries right now for the Premier League alone doing this podcast that are employed through this league that um if you think of the the amount of people around the world that this one league supports employs brings hope to brings excitement to brings distraction to I mean, it, it is a it is a global beacon that is a very positive thing. That doesn't mean just switch it back on, but I do think they've outlined ways where we can switch it back on and begin to bring that joy and bring that support back to the groups of people that are tethered to this incredible league. And so I just think, like, you know, if there are players, and, and Graham Lasso told us a story of there was a security issue and a couple of Chelsea players decided not to get on the plane that day. Listen, if there are players that don't want to take the risk, you know, I think individually players have that right and have to deal with whatever consequences are happening. I appreciate the risk of playing and that profile of risk is different than what they signed up for, but the world is different right now. And, and I'm not going to compare it to, listen, there, there are essential workers out there police officers and, and, and firemen that risk their lives every day. Now, they knew what they were signing up for, but what they're paid and, and the risk of what they do every day is a lot different than what these players are being asked to do. And I would say on the spectrum of who is affected by this pandemic, I'm not a doctor, but from what I've read, you know, the, the professional athlete with a remarkable lung capacity with doctors checking their physical fitness daily, knowing what they're capable of, knowing the, the, the risk profile of every individual constantly checking on that, that's not the person on the spectrum that we're worried about. It's actually the person on the spectrum least uh, at, at risk to be around a situation that could affect them. It's the, the um, people around them when they go back home. And, and I, there's no way to guard against that. But, but my whole thing is, you know, we're approaching 25, 30 million unemployed in, in, in the United States. The amount of people that are going to lose their lives based on that scenario is is comp compounds and is dramatically higher than those that lose their life because of coronavirus. So it becomes this really difficult risk reward analysis. And I just think the reward of, of leagues like the Premier League coming back in a safe, structured way dramatically outweighs the risk that we're putting these players in. <clears throat> Lee, um, I'm just going to come back to you because I feel... <laughs> A, a, in a way, a lone voice in your sort of passion, not passion, but championing the, the players' health and safety. From what the other guys have said, does anything make you think differently? Do you, would you, you know, tell us about how you, would you play if you were, if you were playing right now? Just, just explain a bit more for us. I was, I was talking to an ex-player, funny enough, this morning about it. Bumped into him who lives close by and I was chatting to him. And Not two metres then. It was actually <laughs> more than two metres, obviously, Graham. I had um, to bump into him. Oh, very good, yeah. Let's see what he, said, see what he did there. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> and uh, and I, he, he was saying to me, he was asking the same question and I, and I, and I was saying, if I was... If I was a young, a young pro, you know, enthusiastic, probably not with a family, not with um, kids 
maybe at home, then I kind of probably wouldn't even think about it. I said, football was my life when I was younger. And then as you grow up, you kind of have a different perspective on the game and where it fits in with the importance of life and all of that sort of stuff. But as a young pro, I was like, yeah, play it under any circumstances, just go and play. And I, and so, but as, as we've talked about, as you get older, you kind of got more responsibilities. And I, what, what doesn't, what wouldn't sit with me well, I don't think, and I'm not a player now, I retired a long time ago, but I would think, and, and Arlo pointed out about, and, and, and one of the other boys about, how, what, a, what a sterile, um, brilliant medical facility that these players would have around them in order to keep them safe and enable them to do their job and, and, um, and go out and perform and under very little risk. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't necessarily sit well with me. Yes, I would be one of those players in that position. And I'd be looking over the, at the TV, seeing people not with PPE, not with things on the front line who, who, who could drastically need them. And Arlo pointed out that, that the Premier League are not going to take anything away from the NHS. They're going to do it themselves. Well, maybe that do it in themselves should be done for the NHS and, and not for the players. And the, play, and the game should be put on hold until further notice, until it's absolutely safe that these measures don't need to be in place for a football match to go ahead. Lee, I just don't think we're going to get to a point where you can guarantee safety. And, and we have governments to procure equipment that, that is necessary. That's what we pay our taxes for, for the NHS. The NHS yeah, is doing I'm an not unbelievable say- job. So what it's, I'm saying, it's Arlo, private enterprises, they're not taking it necessarily out of the NHS. No, they're I get that. They're somewhere else, aren't they? I just, I just got that. I just said that to you. What I'm saying is, as a player... I still, okay, I'm being supplied this brilliant sterile, as a player, going out and playing my football and going and looking over my shoulder and seeing all this going on. I'm saying, I don't know how that would sit with me saying, well, yeah, I'm not going to catch it because I'm... Oh, you mean there'd be a sense of guilt? Yeah, I'm getting tested twice twice a Mm. week, I'm fine. Um, I still have Mm. the issue about going back to my family. I think, you know, a way of doing it, we've talked about it before, about separating you. If somebody Mm. said to me, right, I'm going to take you away for six weeks and you've got to be in a sterile environment, then I'm not going back to my family. That would remove that fear. But it would still also have that, why should I, why should I be going to this place and doing this job with no risk when these other people go, having to go back to work with huge amounts of risk? Of course. Well, but, of course. And you can't... Hold on. Let me just ask you real quick for Lee. Lee, um, you know, if... if, if and I understand the, the guilt and, and, and you feeling it's a zero-sum game of taking things away from those that are needed. But, like, if, if, if hundreds of thousands, if not millions of gooners were like, no, no, please go take that risk because we need you to play again, would that change the way you feel about that? Maybe. I don't know. I, I That's decided. what I was going to ask you, Lee. The, 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 what the good that you can do. I mean, of course, we can't compare, can't compare losing lives to lifting spirits and everyone as you are compare them but they each have their own value and lifting spirits and helping livelihoods and helping livelihoods is even better than lifting spirits so by playing what you could be doing for the good could that maybe outweigh what you would be feeling on the bad maybe yeah I, 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 maybe that would swing it for me and I'd feel a little bit better about it I still I still don't think that in the back of my mind this the player safety how you guarantee that oh well we can't guarantee it but it's worth the risk I'd have to fight 
my head through that one. Is that is it okay for me to risk going back home and being you know bump, bumping into a asymptomatic player that's not shown any symptoms, who's not been tested, but three days later he might have, and then coming into contact with him in a game. Lee, isn't there, isn't there kind of dangers of going out your front door, going to a supermarket when you're talking about going back home? And I, and I know it's something that you can choose not to do, is do your football part. But Absolutely. You, you, it's not as though you're going you're gonna to go to supermarkets. You're going to, you know, you might get an asymptomatic guy that you mix with. I don't know. I just, it, it, the way that you painted it a little bit is if that you don't want to take any risks. Of course, we don't want to take risks with our families, but I just think in living, you go, there's going to be moments where you have that little bit of risk, you know, until we have a vaccine, that, as, as Arlo said, that's going to be our world, isn't it? And, and I just would prefer to, that my, I feel very lucky my work environment is going to be super sterile and safe so I can go and do my work and try and keep yeah, my but that's, yeah, well. but I, absolutely. If you, if you, if you said your, your working environment is going to be ultimately safe from from the virus but there's other risks you could break your leg you could break your neck you could do anything then then fine but you can't give me that guarantee musty and nobody can and so you where where do you then where do you then say okay it's worth taking that risk when you've got an uh, um somebody at home who's an elderly or or got um asthma or anything like that and you you've quite rightly you know and that's your opinion yeah i would willing to take that risk i would go and play and then go back home to that environment well i wouldn't i i, I couldn't do that and so i would be one that graham talked about that goes do you know what boss i'm not willing today the, the the safeguards are not there for me enough to take that risk and if that means i lose my job then back, back sorry just really quickly if, if the five ex-pros lee's obviously got a very strong opinion on this that's that's one in five you think of a 20 25 um, there's going to be four or five players in that same situation who are going to be yeah. having these conversations who are going to have these things and also from a manager's point of view if, if, if i'm Marcel mm. langer and i know what dicko's like and i know how, how he's been and then i see him training different and different in play i'm not sure i'm, I'm going to play because i don't know if, if but, lee gets in plays with that mentality in games that we, we need to, to fulfil. I think, Carl, what Carl was saying is, before about, about the, going to the Confederations Cup, sorry, Graham, just, just about that sense that, you know, football players, highest level, go to World Cups, go to European Championships, spend six weeks away from home, seven weeks away from home. I used to work for the BBC on cricket tours. We'd go away for two months, two and a half months. Uh, touring around various countries. Now, obviously, there wasn't a virus involved, but sometimes there was the threat of terrorism in places like Pakistan, and you get armed guards that, that take you to from the hotel to the grounds, and the, the streets are cleared. We had a bomb threat at a game once, and everyone's feeling, oh, goodness me, what are we doing here? But we got on with the job. Now, they are very, very different circumstances, but, you know, sportsmen at that elite level you know, should be used to and prepared to, in my view, to go away for six weeks in order to get something, if they're uncomfortable, to get something finished. And secondly, the Bundesliga starts this weekend. And it's going to be very interesting to see. The Germans have been ahead of the curve on everything, uh, ahead of uh, certainly ahead of us in the UK on dealing with this situation, as per usual. And they've got the Bundesliga fired up this weekend. Now, that's going to be a real test case, isn't it, in how people receive it, what the games look like, what they feel like having empty stadia, and also what happens if a player tests positive, you know, after the season gets underway. So we'll all be keeping our eyes, I think, very firmly on the Bundesliga from this weekend. But it, again, it goes, I think it's a really fascinating conversation. And Lee's perspective is, although different to the, to the other players on, is absolutely key to mm. what's going to be going on 
within dressing rooms, within clubs, the conversations players are going to be having. And that's exactly my point, is that we have to create a, 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 a conversation where nobody feels they can't say and have that opinion that Lee has and that they can't, it can't be held against them. And, and my fear is at the moment is that we're not even near having that and players are coming out as individuals talking about their own fears. Um, and that for me isn't particularly healthy either because it starts to set an agenda without getting the full, the full picture. And I, I, I feel that the, the, the only way through this is going to be, as I said before, on an individual basis so that players have the right to, to not get involved because whether you like it or not, there, there, there's, a, there's a human element to this that has to be factored in to such a sensitive um, situation that we're living, whether it be on the pitch, at the training ground, or in broader society where over 200,000 people have, have died already from this. Uh, from there are this two virus. layers. For me, there are two layers of risk. And it's kind of simple. Um, is in each league is different because they're in different countries at different points in this. And Andrew Merkel did a better job than other leaders did trying to get, you know, the country behind solutions. It's, um, is the risk of starting this business back up worth taking? That's the first question. I think everyone's kind of saying, for the most part, that risk is worth taking. The next layer is, as individual players, you get to determine if you're going to take that risk as an individual employee. Mm. Yep. And I think, I think mm. Kyle, as well, you know, this is obviously, as many people have said, so unprecedented, but mm. unprecedented because it affects every single human being on Earth. The problem is it affects every single human being on Earth differently based on the people they have around them. So if we can get to a place where the people who have Lee's point of view are not judged and can mm -hmm. hold their point of view strongly and completely not discriminated against, and if we can get to a point where every single thing is put in place to safeguard the players, because ultimately that's what's the most important thing when they go back, then maybe that's the best to go back to what Robbie Earl said at the beginning. Maybe that is the best of the worst case scenario. And we know there will, well, we are very hopeful that one day this will change and we will be able to return to a much more old normal. This is not going to happen anytime soon. We know that. And we have, as Arlo said, to live with it and to find a way to live with it. Because if we don't, then the future is even bleaker um, than it even feels right now. So I think that's, there, there are so many elements in this conversation. You guys have all been incredibly eloquent with how you feel about it. We have a big, big week coming up, as I talked about a few moments ago. Next Wednesday on our podcast, we will probably have a lot more information to go at. We will be given more details of how they're going to safeguard players and when they're going to be training. They may even be training by, by next Monday. Who knows? So we'll have a lot more to go at. Guys, it's been really, really interesting. Yeah, um, so it's all well and good, but when's the next quiz? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not doing any mission. more quizzes. No. <laughs> Boycott. And the 10,000th goal. That could be a whole. Oh. Uh, Still keeps me awake, you know. I'm sure it does. Oh, sure. <laughs> so it should. So, guys, take care of yourselves and um, have hope, have faith, and we will speak to you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye bye. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.